the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions with Renee Paquette. This is where we mash up the best of the week. We take our interviews from Tuesday and Thursday, what those episodes were. We take those highlights. We put them together all here in one convenient place for your listening pleasure. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoy what we've put together here for you guys. And if you want to go back and listen to these interviews in their entirety, you can do that right here where you're listening as it is. Um, So anywhere you guys are listening to podcasts, you can go back and find those full length interviews. But otherwise we've, uh, we've done a little bit of heavy lifting for you and gave you guys some of the highlights from what, from what you want to hear. But you know, we're so lucky with all the amazing guests that we have on oral sessions that I'm sure If you're fans of these people, you're going to want to go back and hear more of their story here, more of who these people are and what makes them tick and what has led to their success, all that fun stuff. Um, I love what I get to do here and I love getting to chat with all these interesting and fascinating people. It's a hell of a time. And yeah, now we just get to do a little best stuff here on the weekend. So here we go. Let's get into it. Here's the best stuff from this week on Oral Sessions. You know, I think for both of you being revered as being the locker room leaders, we always call Tamina as being the mama bear, <laughs> you know, Natty very much in that same role as well. Um, what are some of the things that you kind of look to like weed out to maintain that the locker room does stay that way? I think like adding to what Tamina is saying about like all the girls are just showing that support. This is a hard industry. Like it's showbiz, it's entertainment. Yes, we are family, but like, it's still a business and in entertainment, it's very, very competitive and every single day evolves and changes. We, we, you know, even with this pandemic, we, we got a lot closer. We spent a lot more time together. We dug a little deeper. We dug a lot deeper and like we've had to perform with no fans. So it's funny because it's been so incredibly challenging to do that because the fans are part of our story. They're part of our journey, but without them being there ringside with us, I feel like for me, I've had to dig so deep to find adrenaline and adrenaline, you know, keeps you safe, especially in performance. It keeps you on your toes. And the girls have become like that emotional support system that we rely on to give us adrenaline, to boost us up, to pump us up, to give us that energy. Like you can do it. You've got this. Like I had no idea. Sorry. I had a late night wrestling on the main event of Brawla. <laughs> I had no idea that Bailey had rallied up all the troops and got all the girls into Gorilla during our match the night that we won the championships. Every single girl in the locker room, whether they were good or bad, no matter what role they were playing on TV, from Ruby to Liv to Bianca to Carmella, everybody was there and they were like jumping up and down. And TJ said that like, the girls created like a fan like environment and gorilla when we won the titles where like even Vince was like, Holy, like (laughs) these girls are like, we're ride or die. We've all just grown so close to each other. We all want to give and we want to, we want to like Tamina said, we all want to see each other succeed. But there's moments too, where I was like, I had a little guilt about winning these in some ways, because as much as I felt that Tamina and I deserve these championships, especially Tamina, since she's never had a women's championship in WWE, I also felt like, you know, I look at Ruby and Liv and they're, they're the longest like formed tag team for the women's division in WWE. They've been together for well, years. And they I were the like, only oh, real one. Yeah. They're yeah, the only I'm real not- tag team. Really? 
we want them to have a chance too. And we want them to have a moment. And like, I'm super excited about competing against Ruby and Liv because I, I think they're two of the best women in our entire division across the board. Liv and Ruby have so much passion. So like in us winning these, it's also p- going to be part of their success because Tamina and I, we always know how to pay it forward. What was the conversation with Vince after you guys won the championships? I mean, I know there's always that like moment, that quick moment where you pop back into Gorilla and you get to have that sort of like heart to heart with him. How did that go down? Well, I, what I loved was everything leading up to that moment, if that makes sense, Renee. And so for him to be sitting there and and telling us what he wanted out of us, you know, that's what was the most to me was leading up to everything. And so then when it finally happened and we got the titles and I went up to him and I was sweating as crap, you know, and I'm just like, you know, and he's in his nice suit and everything, you know, <laughs> the only thing we kind of do this thing where we kind of give each other a look like we're going to beat the crap out of each other, but then we <laughs> hug each other, right? You know, like kind of like a lion stalking an antelope, right? And so that's how I always walk up when I'm walking towards him and Natty's the, you know, like her little bougie self, you know, is right there. And she gives him like a different kind of a feel. But for me and him, that was that time and moment, you know, and he just was congratulations. You know, and all I can sit there and say is thank you. And then I, as I'm crying and trying to hug him and trying to hide away from the camera, but that was that moment for me. It's funny because like you always want that, moment with Vince where he says, good job. And sometimes like, it takes a long time to get that. And I think Vince always tell me I did good. Please. please. Yeah. Please say that I did a good job. You want that. You know, it's like, it's like when your dad says you did a good job, like, it's like, you just feel so excited and happy. And like, you feel like it's more special to have him say you did a good job than even winning the titles. You know, he's seen it all. He's seen everything. Think about the thousands and thousands of matches that he's seen and all the people that he's worked with. And, you know, when I came back and I talked to Vince Literally, he just, he, we, he said to me, he's like, we did it. We did it. <laughs> and like, it's funny because like, sometimes you don't know how you're going to get there. And like, you've got to kind of win everybody over, not just the fans, but you've got to get everybody on board with your journey. Um, and there's so many different dynamics in WWE, but like, I felt so much love and support from Vince and like, yeah, Vince, you know, Vince is a very complex and, and dynamic character. Of course, we all know the character of Mr. McMahon, but like, he's somebody that's made my dreams come true and Tamina's dreams come true. And like everything for me, having that moment in Saudi Arabia where people don't know how hard Vince fought for the women to have a match in Saudi Arabia. Oh my to God. Yeah. Yeah. Vince being, Vince being on this journey with Tamina and I. So like when he said we did it, I was like, yeah, we did. We did it. Like, and it, it sounds, I don't want to sound cheesy, but like we did it and nobody stopped us. And Vince was like, he was on board with us. And to have that, especially when you aren't the cookie cutter type, I'm not, I've never been a cookie cutter type, but neither has Tamina, you know, she's from a Samoan dynasty. Her family is complex and very dynamic. The Hart family, we're really, I mean, we're a hot mess, (laughs) but we're we're just a complicated family. And like to feel like you have the love and support of your peers, especially Vince, it's like, it's really cool. How difficult was it for you guys to be able to perform at WrestleMania in front of a crowd, which must've blew your minds after so long. (laughs) And then to go back to not having the crowds there, was it hard kind of finding that balance again once you got a little taste? To be able to walk down the ramp and then to just to hear the crowd. But even before that even happened, before our match, the start of the show, you know, and then when we all went out and we stood in front of all the crowds in the beginning, that's what got you the chills and the goosebumps and the feeling of this is why we do this is for the fans. This is why, because the love 
and the passion behind that they have for all of us. That was crazy amazing. Renee, I can't even tell you. Then when we went out and we had our match, hearing them cheering and then hearing them chant and do all these things, I lost it. You know, like you're losing it in the middle of the match because this is what you miss. This is what you love. This is why we do this, you know? And then going back, like how you said, and then there's like no fans. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Oh my gosh. Then that's when you got excited when you actually saw the the whole announcement. We're going back on the road and we're doing these shows live. Hell to the yes. Thank you so much, you know? (laughs) Our audience is so important and so special to us. And I've never, ever, ever taken our audience for granted. But when you don't have them, you just have to dig so deep and to be able to like, I felt so emotional like that for very first night when we all had to stand on stage and we all got to look out at the fans. It was like, I just felt like we've missed them so much. They've been, they're such a big part of our performances and they can change the course of your career. We look at Becky Lynch's career. Becky was supposed to be a heel. When she turned on Charlotte at SummerSlam, it was supposed to be a heel turn for her. But the fans at that moment, with the way the stars had aligned, they felt Becky was deprived. And, you know, up against Charlotte, who's a multi, like she's one of the most decorated women superstars in WWE history, actually the most decorated woman superstar in WWE history. So when Becky turned on Charlotte, fans were getting behind Becky because they felt Becky was deprived. So the fans changed the course of the direction for the man character. It kind of set Becky up to be a part of the the first ever women's main event at WrestleMania. And then when you look at Tamina, you know, Tamina and I, like our our partnership was obviously incredible. We're, We're really close friends in real life. But the fans at WrestleMania, they actually were a part of why we won these championships because Tamina was one of the top worldwide trends at WrestleMania. And nobody, including the people backstage that make the decisions, nobody, even myself, I had no idea that people would be cheering her name louder than anybody else during both shows. Like she, people were chanting Tamina's name as she was going to the top rope, thinking that that was, she was about to win. And I was like watching from the match. I was like, I can't believe how they're so behind Tamina. Who would have thought that somebody that had been sort of in the shadows for a long time, kind of letting everybody else shine would emerge as one of the biggest baby faces in the entire WWE. Oh, I, I know it's, it's, I'm so trying to embarrass her. Like, I know. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm so shame right now too. And I don't know where to go. I can't <laughs> but it is really cool when you know that ever like people are watching and they are paying attention and the fans have always respected what you guys do in the ring outside the ring. So to, to really be able to, to accept all of that love and now be put in this position to now have the tag titles since the inception of the tag titles for the women, I mean, that was such a huge moment as a part of the women's evolution to, to start having the women's tag titles. And then they seem to kind of flounder for a little bit in terms of like, what are we doing with these? What are we doing with the tag teams? How are we going to make these feel important again? What do you guys want to do to keep elevating these titles to where, where you want them to be? We really want to give every single women's tag team a chance. Everybody from uh, Naomi, I was going to say Trin. I'm I'm such close friends with her too, but everybody from Naomi and Lana to Ruby and Liv to Mandy and Dana to, I mean, I, I know, I know Indy and Candace are already champions at NXT, but it's like, why not have champions versus champions? Like Tamina and I will go to NXT. Like I said it before and I'll say it again. These championships, they're not just gold. 
They are a passport to every single corner in the WWE and every single brand across every single women's division in this company. And we will take on anyone. We want to give everybody the same chance that we had. Mm-hmm. And so I look forward to that. We've had a great time working with Nia and Shayna. I loved kicking Shayna's ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but we also want to give everybody else a chance to rise to the occasion, a chance to reach their fullest potential. Serona, what, oh, sorry, Tamina, my bad. Yes. Um, for you to be able to have these moments that you've been able to have over the past, you know, couple months and to be able to be in the ring with Naya, how important was that for you? I mean, we're talking about all the family lineage between both of you guys, but for you to be able to share that moment in the ring with, with Naya. Man, okay, yeah, that's a great question. Only because for that fact, me and her talk about it all the time, right? And then again, we go back to that timing thing. It couldn't have been a better person for it to happen with. You know, it couldn't have been a better group of Naya and Shayna together. It was the right timing for it all. You know, that's why it couldn't have been anybody else but Naya when we hit that thing and it was one, two, three. I mean, literally, you already know what was being said. On the first count, you know, because you kind of see my head and you see my head turn and say something. Then she's saying stuff back to me. So at that same time in that moment, we were already losing it, you know, at that point, because that's who it had to be with. Naya has come so far and she has done such a great job of being a leader, of being somebody who can manage and and maneuver her way through this this company. And it she has done a great job of it, you know, and so. For me to go up against the biggest, the strongest woman in our division, like, are you freaking kidding me? That's what made it work. That because, you know, I am, I may, I'm the second biggest, right? So it's like <laughs> us to go head to head. It was something very special and very amazing. I'm so grateful. You know, I'm so grateful because I had that moment with her. Adding to what Tamina said about Naya um, and Shayna's, I absolutely love working with Shayna. Like, I know we're not supposed to say this because we're, we just were in a rivalry together, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, we just, Shayna and I just have a magical chemistry. And like, I love her journey. I love her passion. I feel passion from Shayna. Like, I feel every time I lock up with Shayna, I feel this like passion from her for pro wrestling. Like, I feel it in her heart. a lot of time training with her as well, too. Because when you, when you were started training with Rhonda, Shayna was a part of that as well with you. Yeah. Shayna, Shayna was, um, well, Shayna and I knew each other before she ever came to WWE. And I would go, um, I would go and train with Shayna and Marina and Jessamine out in, in LA. And that's how I kind of got to know Rhonda before Rhonda ever came to WWE. And that's how I started training privately with Rhonda. What mattered to Shayna was heart persevering and, and also working with Naya. I, I need to say this. And again, Naya is going to kill me because she doesn't want me to break. She doesn't want me to, hey, she doesn't hey, want brother. me to, she doesn't want me to the reveal that she's actually a big teddy bear on the inside, <laughs> but because she really is. But Naya in the last six months, Naya has become somebody that I absolutely love working with. She's stepped up so much in a leadership role, uh, especially on raw. And she's like somebody that I can't tell you how much she gave to me and especially to Tamina, the things that she wanted for us and the vision that Naya had for us. She is a really, really big part of why Tamina and I are where we are today. So Naya is a huge, huge part of that. And I'm sorry, Naya, I had to do that. I had to expose <laughs> you, but we love you and we appreciate you. But I also feel like to uh, Renee on this part, you know, they are the biggest, they are the, the, the top ones, you know, the top heels in this point. And so for it to actually happen and us being able to overcome and beat them, that was a huge, huge deal. 
because it had to, it had to be us. There was nobody else that, that could have done it with Naya and Shayna. And it's like, I, I'm so glad that it was us. You know, I'm glad we were the ones that were able to go up against them and take that, take that time in that moment that we had. What was said between uh, you and Naya during that moment when you were getting the pen? So uh, as soon as it came down and I hit it, you know, I grabbed her leg and I turned my head because, and you can watch it back and see it too, Nene, but you just see me turn and Vince hates it. Cause he doesn't want you to do that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you got to like be pinning and show your emotions like, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> but I turned my hair and my head, you know, my hair kind of came over and I just said, thank you, sis. And then she goes, I love you. And I said, I love you back. And then it was two, three. Oh, so then Man. that's why when you see me, crying the way I was crying because I couldn't believe. And I was so grateful to her and Shayna because it was such a struggle this whole time. And I feel like, you know, good people and people who have that passion to want to keep going and doing what you're doing, it can actually come true, you know, and it came true. Like me and Natalie got the titles, you know, that was a huge deal to me because I can't thank people enough for all the love and support. You know, you can't thank enough people of the journey that that came with you on it, you know, and helped you out through this whole thing. And so that's what it was. You know, that's why me and I had that type of moment. And you see my face, I'm just like ugly crying. And I was so mad at myself to be like, instead of just standing up and being happy, you know, and celebrating, like finally did it. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. I could not help those feelings. And I just lost it. <laughs> Yo, shout out to our mutual friend, CM Punk, wearing the shirt. I'm a big fan of your homeboy. I think he's a, a terrific talent. Where would you like to see him show up and wrestle? When does that happen? What is your prediction on that? I get asked this in like every interview I'm in. I'm like, I don't know why I'm so synonymous with this man. I mean, it's cool and he's a good friend of mine, but like, I can't, I'm not, I don't know what he's doing. I think he's a little bit nervous or a little bit scared. And I don't think he's Ooh. a fearful guy whatsoever. I don't mean that as a character trait of Phil. I'm just saying there's been so much build and so much time has passed and the MMA stuff happened. I think there's, I think he would be a liar to say there isn't some serious fear and insecurity with jumping. I don't even think it's what company I think he'd be crazy. I think he'd make crazy money and draw a billion eyeballs at any company, whether it's impact new Japan, Connecticut, or, or, Tony Khan Island. I think he can do well at any of them. It's not a question of if he'll do well. It's, is he going to feel comfortable and ready to take the, the bumps and the bruises and pay the price again? Cause it's a different lifestyle than going to comic con and writing comic books. And I mean, he's 45, isn't he? He's probably mid forties. Yeah. He's made, he's 40 something. He's in those forties. And like, I don't know that physically, that it's something that he would be worried about, but something that I would at least take into consideration. I mean, you see somebody like Edge come back who had been gone for, you know, 10 years or however, however long that Edge was gone for him to come back. And everyone's like, hell yeah, we finally get Edge. And like to have that pop at Royal Rumble to see him like, you know, start back on this journey of being back in the ring. But then we still have very fickle fans that want to shit all over his WrestleMania match. And like, that's tough. My whole theory on that, that shit is like, dude, there's always going to be haters. Like there are people that hate the Godfather. There are people that hate pizza. It's just whatever. But I mean, if Phil went anywhere he wanted, he would make a ton of money and do really well. But I, I'm, I'm buddies with Edge. I've known him for a while. 
And he'll be the first to tell you that comeback he's made and how great he looks. I mean, that took so much work. Oh my God. To tell these people like, Hey, stop acting and doing podcasts and dedicate yourself the way these 26 year olds are doing it. Like that's a lot to ask. Oh my God. I mean, I'll always remember. I I think it was uh, when Daniel Bryan came back maybe. And I, I he had like these gnarly bruises all just from like running ropes again. Cause you'd not done it in so long. Like your butt and there's no other way. I mean, this is coming from me just being around the business, not actually being in the ring, but to get your body back to ring shape, there's no other way to do that except for getting in the ring. Tell me about your body. You've lost 40 pounds. What have you been doing? Um, I knew this was going to come up. I just, <laughs> it was a matter of tongue. You were living with DDP for a little while. Yeah, he was gracious enough and gracious isn't even the word. They ha- they have to kind of invent a new word for Dallas's uh, latitude of kindness that he's bestowed to me. He's saintly. That guy's incredible. He um he let me stay with him for seven weeks. And in that time, I lost about 35 pounds, 40 pounds. And um, he just taught me a lot about nutrition. And then the number one thing he really tapped into, which was very embarrassing and humbling, was um, just my lack of self-love, you know? my lack of self-care and the fact that I I was so quick to service and love everybody else and not take care of myself was very damaging. And I would say that combined with a dark self-deprecation sort of veneer I put over everything. I think he kind of tapped into that and said, you know, I'm here to help you physically, but you need help mentally, emotionally, probably more than you do physically. The body will follow where the mind goes, you know? And he, he kind of tapped into that, which was pretty remarkable. It really helped me. Was that something that you, you, did you heed that advice? There will come a day in two to five years where I win an Emmy and a Golden Globe and I, I, I'm in a relationship that I believe in. I'm feeling good about my life and I'll still have those voices of ambition and doubt and dissension and confusion. And I feel as though I'll never really be settled. I'll always be kind of on the war path. And uh, I don't know that that's a good thing. I think it's good in your youth because it gets you to where you want to go. But at some point, you also got to make peace. Like if Moxley is trying to do a death match when he's 60, sure, maybe we'll chalk it up to, oh, that's him being him. But I hope he's not doing that at 60. Like, you and me I both. Hope, I hope we find some contentment <laughs> in our in our fucking in our, in our paths here. Cause at some point it can be detrimental. Yeah. It, it can be difficult. I mean, yeah. Like you said, at first it's sort of that thing that lights that fire under your ass, but yeah. At what point does that fire start to like simmer? And then it's just like smoking and like, we're still able to use it and we could like blow on that fire a little bit if we needed to, but you know, you don't want to fully extinguish that, but finding the way to kind of strike that balance can be, yeah, that's tough, especially as we get older and we still are kind of looking in different directions for, you know, different approval and different things that, you know, mean that we've achieved whatever it is that we're kind of looking to do. Yeah. When really we, you know, self-love kind of achieves what ambition and conclusion will never really get to, which is, you know, actual contentment and acknowledgement of self-identity and, and, and peace with circumstances. I mean, it's sad that we kind of scrape and claw for all these things. It's great if we scrape and claw for them because we feel, you know, this is what we're called to do and we love it and we're passionate. Passion is good, but I think obsession might lose what passion gains, you know? It's a fine line. It's a very fine line. Have you always been like that? Like exhaustively ambitious? I guess. Yeah. I mean, I I guess putting it in those terms, but just like getting, getting your career started, what were you like as like a kid to kind of get, 
to where you're at now. You were, you were raised, your dad was a pastor, right? Yeah. Yeah. My dad is a fifth generation Lutheran pastor. My brother now is sixth generation. And, uh, we were like very religious, but also we'd watch Seinfeld as a family every Thursday night or whatever. And we loved Jack Nicholson and we loved board games. And, you know, I grew up on Billy Joel and the beach boys. And like, there was a lot of art and sort of vibrancy in the household. I really fell in love with acting and I didn't really know how to get there. So I just did everything I could. I did stand up, I did theater, I did improv, I'd write screenplays. I was obsessed with professional wrestling. I knew every move and, uh, and I figured maybe I'll be Bobby Heenan. Maybe I'll be Chris Farley. Like I didn't know where I was even going to end up necessarily. I just knew I wanted to land on one of those, one of those places. It's got to be, or did it feel like such a long shot being in Michigan and trying to figure out where to land that and trying to like figure out which direction to kind of focus on? Or were you sort of tapping into everything at that time and seeing what was going to stick against the wall? Kind of trying to see what would stick against the wall. And and like, I wouldn't let myself go to that defeatist place of I'm from Saginaw, Michigan. I can't become so-and-so because the more I researched all the people I loved, the more I realized they came from places like mine. And that kind of normalizes it and makes you go, oh, they joined a theater company or they did Second City or so-and-so created their own web series. Like it was very, it became very clear that there was a pathway. You just had to take one. The next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play. It's absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA InPlay turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcome of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA InPlay, so the action's always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is so easy to use, and it takes less than two minutes to sign up. And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to, because NBA InPlay is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA InPlay today. How do you pick your projects? Because it seems like... Uh, not blowing smoke up your ass, but it seems like every project you work on is a fucking cool ass project. Like you've not worked on anything that's just been kind of like, meh, it's always stuff that seems very like buzzworthy and your star just is continually on the ascent. Do you like, is it just flipping through scripts yourself? Is it your management? Like, how do you do that? It's turning down a lot of indies and sometimes indies that pay good money and it's waiting for something that excites you. Um, so good example, I was shooting a pilot up in Canada, up in Vancouver in uh, November, 2016. And while I'm there, I'm having a blast working with this great group of actors, having the time of my life, getting paid to do very little work. It was a dope gig. Uh, Cause you're part of an ensemble. So it's like, imagine getting paid the same as John Cena, but you're just part of the Wyatt family. You know, like that's kind of what it felt like. And, and, uh, I was loving it up there, but I get an email that says, Hey, you want to audition for this movie? I Tanya. And I look at it and I'm like, the screenplay is like one of the most heralded screenplays of the year prior. 
They have Margot Robbie, who's like the biggest thing right after um, Suicide Squad and Wolf of Wall Street. And then what a dreamboat she is. Good God. She's so cool. And then Allison Janney, like I grew up watching Allison Janney and everything from freaking Miracle on 34th Street, Drop Dead Gorgeous, West Wing. Like, I love that woman. So she's so great in Juno. Oh, oh she's so good. So good. good. Good in everything. And so that was one of those things that I was like, I'm already happy. I'm content. I'm working a job. And and I got kind of called up to the main the main roster. And <laughs> and then like right as I'm promoting I Tanya, right when it's about to come out, I got the audition for Black Klansman with Adam Driver and Spike Lee. None of them had even seen Itania. They knew nothing about me. I just had a good audition. And so right on the heels of Itania, I get Black Klansman. No big deal, right? No, it's just like back to back, like dope people. And then I'm starting to get offers from other people. Like I remember, I think I got like an offer from um, Hawaii Five O that show on CBS. And it's not a very hip show. We're living in the, we're in a post Breaking Bad world. We hold our television in the highest regard. So like, when they're tugging my shirt saying, do you want a bag of money to play a character on our show for a month in Hawaii? It's like, I want to do it, but my reps, my agents and managers are like, no disrespect to Hawaii Five O, but you can't go from Spike Lee and Margot Robbie to Hawaii Five O. So suddenly my life changes overnight and I'm turning money jobs down all the time. I can't do the bingo halls because I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're booked and busy. That's crazy. Wow. Straight offer on Cobra Kai where they said, hey, we think you're funny. We thought of a part for you. Would you do this? And once again, it was one of the things that I was going to pass on. I think I took a bus. This is like 2018. This is I, this is back when I was still struggling for money, just like two, three years ago. But like I was like taking a bus or the train to a meeting in Culver City to meet with all the Cobra Kai guys. And I have an iPad that's playing the episodes because I hadn't seen the show. So I watched three episodes in a row before walking into the meeting. And I'm like, I'm in love. I'm hooked. I have to do the show. So I walk into the meeting. I'm like, we're doing the show. Doesn't matter what my reps say. We're doing it. And uh, then it turned into this big, crazy hit on Netflix, which I didn't know was going to happen. So all these types of things happen where Clint Eastwood says, hey, I need you to replace Jonah Hill in my movie. And someone like me is like, what the hell is going on right now? It doesn't doesn't even feel real, but those things keep lining up and happening. So half of them are by my creative hand and I'm trying to pick and choose, but dude, there's like 50% of things that come to me out of nowhere that like, I literally just give credit to God and I'm grateful that they happen the way they do, you know? Very serendipitous. Yeah. I mean, but also, you know, it's putting in all that hard work and being immensely talented to have those skills showcased. But like you said, I mean, to go from, from doing uh, I, Tonya and not even having had that movie out before booking your next gig and people seeing how good you were in that movie is very, very cool. Um, what about uh, doing, doing kingdom? How was that for you? Oh my gosh, that was a crazy story. The moment, the audition, the morning of the audition for kingdom, I was living in a two bedroom apartment in North Hollywood with three other people. Four of us were splitting a two bedroom. I'm working at five guys, the burger place in studio city. And I'm super depressed and unhappy because I know I'm a capable actor, but I'm not working and I'm broke as shit. And I'm eating like seven 11 pizza and sushi. I'm just living in this disgusting hellhole, And I'm in my bathroom that morning. And I just say to God, I'm, I just, I'm a God guy. I believe in God. And I just said, I was like, dude, I'm dying on the vine. If you want me to go be a teacher, I'll go be Robin Williams and dead poets. Like I will go inspire 
and love people and make them feel great and be an awesome teacher. But I can't keep doing this. I, I need a fucking break. I basically said that to God and walked out and my buddy, Chloe Lanier, she's an incredible actress. She had a big run on, uh, she won a daytime Emmy for general hospital, but she and I were living together at the time. And she goes, uh, good luck on your audition. I'm like, I'm not going to get it. And she goes, just because you said that you're probably going to get it. Watch. So I go in and I read this part and they go, Oh, you're reading for the bully. I said, yeah, they go, we thought maybe you'd be reading for Keith. And I said, who's Keith. And they said, that's the character that gets bullied. And I go, dude, you got to let me audition for the guy who gets bullied. That's way more in my nature than to play a bully. So I take 45 minutes at the sides. I go memorize them and I go in and I just kind of went nuts. The character was kind of crazy and I kind of leaned into it and I was like throwing shit around the room and like screaming and crying and stuff, kind of like heavy actor acting, but I did it really went for broke. And like two, three days later, I got a call and they said, you got the job. And, you know, I didn't know what the show was going to be. They said, it's a show about MMA starring Nick Jonas, and it's going to play on direct TV. And I said, that sounds less like a real show and more like a mad. <laughs> the hell is that? Like, I don't know what that is. And they're like, dude, just come and do your thing. So I showed up and I was only supposed to do two episodes, but I just improvised and made the character my own and kind of put him on the autism spectrum and, and leaned into some PTSD character traits. And I just went for it, especially as a guy who hated his life working at a burger fast food joint, living with three people in a two bedroom apartment. It was like every day I showed up to set was like me trying to crawl my way out of my circumstance. And then two episodes turned into seven, seven turned into 25 and I quit my day job. And that show made me a working actor where I haven't had to work a day job since March of 2015. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on this special edition of the best of for oral sessions. We just mash up the best from the week, let you guys get the little highlights. You can go back and listen to the full length episodes. Should you choose to do so? I highly recommend it because there's some good stuff in there. It's really hard to cut these down because these chats can be so great. We, we, we really do have the best guests come on here and hang out. And uh, I love being able to do that here on the show. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. You can go back and listen to more of the episodes. You can also watch these interviews on our YouTube page. You can just search Renee Paquette, search for the volume network, and you'll be able to find all the things. We've got the short clips. We've got the full length interviews, find them all in there. Like subscribe, share, turn on the notifications, all that good stuff. We'll see you guys next time on oral sessions. 